Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it's time to bring the orange with two of my favorite people at the company. One that we've seen on the program many times, Mr. Kevin Rickson, who has a voice for podcasting and radio, and we won't talk about the other part. Welcome back, my friend. Hello, Rob. How are you? <laughs> and, there, and there it is. And I've, I've also been told I have a face for radio, so it is good that this is a podcast. Well, so. I didn't go there. I didn't go there. I, I know. I know. You're very that. kind. Very kind. But we also know a man with a face for radio is the the one and only Sam Maracini, our director of partner or partner solutions marketing. Sam, welcome to the program. Is this your first time? Your first four? Uh, it, it feels like it. Oh, it's, it's been, been a while. long it's been like time. Years. It has been a things. long yes. time. And I, I wish I had the, the the deeper voice like Kevin just pulled off. But I'll, I, it, last time we did a show, Rob, we were sitting in the same room. I know. And we were sitting oh, in a conference room. It was together. It was in, in right. Mountain We were in the View. same room, but also you were traveling out to events and, and interviews. And we did some fly. pure reports on the road, yeah, and that was fun. That. And we've been busy That's right. in the meantime. Yeah. No, I remember Rob, Rob got all that uh, portable kit to be able to go to events and, uh, you know, talk yeah. to actual real people, not just uh, pure yeah. folks. No, I think I did 16 of them at Accelerate in Austin that one year. And Sam, you had uh -huh. your rig and we're doing video interviews. And Kev, I think even you were there and you were doing stand-ups with customers around uh, around Evergreen when we got some, yeah. really great, some really great content. So the net net is we're, we're both guys that we're, we're all three individuals that love to talk. And there's a lot to um, talk about, but first, how, how are things going? Kevo, uh, you kind of switched groups, you moved over in the portfolio side, um, which is great because what you do around Evergreen and services marketing uh, has a great fit for that. But how are everything, how's everything going on that side of the house? Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, we have a new VP of uh, a new team, as you said, portfolio marketing, which is great that it pulled a lot of the sort of horizontal concepts like Evergreen, like our services marketing, both of which are on my team. And then things like pure as a service, um, our competitive intelligence team all together under one. And then, you know, a lot of cross organizational you know, function, which you'd expect from portfolio marketing. And that's why we have our, our, our launch folks in there too. So it's nice to just get um, some, some real uh, expertise behind that uh, brought in a, a, a big, a big gun. Let's, let's just put it that way uh, in Eric Dewar. And um, yeah, we're having a great time. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love how that's all come together. And uh, Mr. Maracini, you're making great waves on the partner side. You're doing some internal things. You got your channel chatter, your partner chatter, keeping the partners informed, but all around solutions outcomes. I love that. I mean, these are things externally that people won't necessarily see, but I like to think that they kind of cascade through from, from the PAMs and get out to the partners and eventually to end users. Well, they do. And some of those are, if you are a pure partner, right? It's on the partner portal. You find partner bites, you find the splash in our wave makers program. And there's a lot of things happening and communication specifically for our partners. Look, Pure was founded with a single principle, which was everything we do will go through a partner. We don't do anything direct. It all goes through a partner because at the end of the day, they're bringing the value. They're enabling the business outcome and the solutions that, uh, that our customers are after. And Rob, it falls right into our solutions pillars. It falls right into our vertical solutions. And 
even more than ever, it's about as a service solutions and expanding things like pure as a service to do backup as a service or lots of ways it can go. So it's been fun. And yeah, for those partners might be a familiar voice. I hope so. And uh, it's been fun. Yeah, no, I think you are. And actually I just had, uh, you know, I had some of the MSP guys on a couple of weeks ago and we just published sure. it and it was the same type of thing. I mean, they pulled up a, a chart for me in a grid and there's like 25 different as a service offerings that we're now driving through managed service providers, which again is one, one segment of uh, what we've got from partners, but even like things like ransomware as a service, you know, we're driving into, into the MSP space. It's super exciting. Um, that whole as a service thing is fantastic, but we brought you on to talk about something kind of new here today. Uh, something that we talk about is that we call enterprise for all, and we'll do a little bit of a his history lesson. I love going, uh, going into the wayback machine kind of back in time, but we're really looking at last year's thrust was, was really around what we can do for mid range and kind of taking on the competition in that space. And now we're adding in the enterprise element into it. Uh, why now? Why does, why does this make sense? You know, it, it's so interesting because you say way back machine, but if you're yeah. in IT long enough, Rob, everything comes back around. At least that's the way I look at it. Uh, and when we talk about enterprise for all, we're talking about the ability to deliver enterprise feature functionality to all customers, all workloads all data types, regardless of the size of a customer's data. Look, the, the industry has created this enterprise versus mid-range storage segmentation that is completely artificial. It's a remnant of legacy storage providers and hardware architectures that we completely changed with flash array and our evergreen mentality. And it's completely different and it's, it's night and day. And we want to deliver those capabilities to everyone. Doesn't matter what your budget is. We're gonna yeah, it, ring, it rings a bell for me because when I spent time at a uh, very large server uh, manufacturer, we we had the same type of conundrum, right? It was we had enterprise platforms, which kind of came first, right? That the workstations grew in enterprise. Well, what did people, people care about with enterprise? The most important thing they cared about was both scale, right? We had mm -hmm. SMP servers. Mm -hmm. Uh, symmetric multiprocessing, but also uptime and reliability, right? These were the things that just could not go down, but that came at a cost and, and people didn't necessarily want to pay that price for it for things that were deemed, you know, tier two or non-production and enter what we called at that time volume, right? Which was kind of the, the mid-range of, you know, servers. Uh, similar analogy yeah. here in storage. I mean, it sounds, it, it sounds just like that, I think. Right? It's very similar and it's interesting because... Uh, Kevin and I recently participated in another podcast uh, with the register, and they talked about the democratization of the server platforms and how the server industry already went through this yeah. enterprise. I was just going to bring server. that up. Yeah, exactly. And it, it fits right there, doesn't it, Kevin? Because on the server well, side, they've been through this. But yeah, and, and I think it's yet another example of how storage just tends to lag behind server, you know, or compute, however, however you want to phrase it in terms of that evolution of both, you know, how you can consume it or how scalable it is, et cetera. And, you know, that kind of makes sense because storage has always had much more gravity to it. Uh, and especially the way the legacy vendors, and, and this is the, the crux of, you know, Sam's thesis here is that it's an artificial construct right. that's just being perpetuated by vendors because it's in their vested interest not to make the systems more dynamic the way 
all of, you know, I mean, in, in the case of compute, it was basically new players coming in and pushing out those, you know, mini computer vendors, the Apollos and whoever, you know, and that I'm showing my age. Cause that's, that's the <laughs> age of it that I came up in, in the late eighties and early nineties, you know, as things were getting much more workstation centric and then especially PC centric and compute had to keep up with that. And, you know, the compacts and the Dells and everyone just went away, you know, and now you've got a few big compute vendors. I mean, Cisco becoming a compute vendor, why not? You yeah, know, because they already had the network. So, but storage has just entrenched itself in this model and everyone accepts it, that there has to be these distinctions versus the ability to provide, you know, as Sam said, the same type of capabilities, at least on a feature function level, um, you know, and as much processing as you normally need, even for very high end workloads without having to have, you know, a mainframe attached to it or some other dinosaur piece of equipment. And, you know, that that's so infrequent these days. And yet that seems to be, oh, no, that that's that's what defines enterprise, yeah. you know, and, and then you can only get this high reliability feature or, you know, extra super processing on those high end systems. And there's no path between the mid-range systems and the and the enterprise. So even if they're you know talking about what we do in Evergreen, what we've done from the beginning at Pure of the ability to just keep expanding and growing and modernizing, you can't get there from here. You can't go from a mid-range legacy system to one of their enterprise boxes, and and that's just insane. Yeah, or you or you get some overlap, right? I mean, again, at at vendor that I was referencing before, we ended up with two eight 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 way platforms, right? right. One one of which kind of had the enterprise features, and the others that was that was kind of dumbed down, and so then all you're doing is creating confusion, right? And well, I guess we'll get to this with with you know what the pure portfolio looks like, but there's really no there's really no confusion. But what we've also done, I think, is also expose some of the underlying flaws in in the hardware design. Right. I mean, some of these some of these artificial constructs certainly are constructs about a mid-range versus an enterprise. But I think some of it also came about, and, and I think Sam, this is part of your narrative, just in the way that those older arrays were designed. And Kevin's point about where you can't get you can't get from A to B, you know, to to move up the stack. And so that perpetuates itself and has for you know several decades right now, where the underlying design principles are not such that you can actually have the flexibility. That's absolutely right. And I'll get into that story in a second. But before we do, I yeah. want to point out one little nuance because we're okay. talking about enterprise versus mid-range. Right, right. And I, I want to make sure we understand that there are enterprise customers and there are mid-market customers, right? And those customers come from different ways as far as what it is that they need or mm -hmm. how big of an organization they have. We believe that enterprise storage should go to both of those. Yeah. It's the mid-range storage that's the question and why it evolved. So enterprise versus mid-range, different than enterprise customer versus mid-market customer. But how did the hardware evolve? And you talked about it. It's a dumbed-down version. And we have a, a story that I've been telling, an analogy, because we all love analogies, right? And you sort of take the storage industry and the fact that we completely separated the hardware from the software to create this evergreen mentality and methodology. What does that really mean? It's easy to say it, but how did we do it? And the best way was an analogy, which the music industry, right? So yeah. 
I know that myself, Kevin, started back in the 70s for myself, some in the 60s, 70s, spinning up record albums and listening to music. That's what we Kevin, did. Kevin might have been a little 60s. I don't know. You know, I, that's what I mean. I, I, had two, old, only if I was listening to my older sister. might have had two 50s and moved right to the 70s. To <laughs> well, we, don't, we don't need to talk about RPM. <laughs> Great movie reference. There. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and that's where we started, right? Yeah. Then in the 80s, you moved to a compact cassette. Right, there were the eight tracks in there too, but then a smaller cassette, which was being now able to put it in my Walkman and I could walk around with it, or I could put it in my boombox and hold it up on my shoulder and listen to the music differently. That was an evolution. Then that led to the 90s, the compact disc, and the compact disc went digital. We were able to jump to the song we wanted to listen to or jump back. It changed the way that we listened to music, and we didn't realize it at the time, but for our favorite artists of which i had plenty and still do we repurchased the same album again and again on those different platforms yeah. so i have three copies of sticks paradise theater because i love that album and i had it on an album with the liner notes and the cassette and the and the um cd but what happened in the 2000s wasn't about the media player it was about the separation of the hardware and software, the, the advent of the MP3. So now we had a stateless environment where the software wasn't tied to the hardware. You could play that file on different devices. You could play it on a laptop. It gave us a cloud-like experience in the year 2000 before nobody knew what a cloud was. Over 20 years ago, we were playing with these things in sort of a cloud, moving them around. And that changed the music industry and it's analogous to what we did with the storage industry. Those hardware providers who had built these huge storage systems, all designed with multi-controllers, three refrigerators in size, they were huge in the way that they were put together. They were all designed to mask the fact that spinning disk drives were slow. So what they did is they removed components, they removed controllers, they removed hardware and in removing hardware they removed software because the software was tied to the hardware rob they dumbed it down and yeah. they came up with a product that was less benefit that they sold because it was less expensive right and in doing so they delivered a subpar compared to their enterprise product what we've done at pure is came up with the flexible method of being able to take the software and separate it from the hardware so our pure purity flash array, for example, the software runs separate from the flash array hardware. So we could do things with customers, which Kevin will talk to, like move them from SaaS to NVMe without moving data, without migrating data. Wait a minute, what? We move them or enable synchronous replication without needing to take downtimes or forklift upgrades or migrations. And, and we changed the industry in the beginning. And it's really been phenomenal to look back and realize what it is that, that we've done along so those is, lines. So does data migration then become the analogy to when you had to get your pencil out and stick it in the hole of the cassette to try to wind the paper? <laughs> I try to wind that, you know, or maybe it's maybe it's something with with data integrity. Or, oh, I love that uh, idea. You know, it had to come, but that's the that part about no cassettes. You know, was not I, having, I, absolutely you know, at time. Take the, take the pencil and wind yeah. it, but you know, anybody under probably forty is kind of going. 
what, what well, the heck are you talking about? It, right? Well, exactly. I was, I was going to say for all you youngsters out there, you know, just, just try to think of yeah. not having your music with you at all times. That was the revolution that the Walkman created for my generation was we went from, yeah, maybe you had a cassette in your car. Maybe you were really lucky and didn't have an eight track. Yeah. Um, Cause my sister's car had an eight track, but you know, I made sure I saved up my money and got a really nice, you know, blow punked, you know, cassette deck and had a great cassette deck at home and transferred all those things. And sometimes I got lazy and bought the album again, <laughs> but now I could walk around with it. I mean, literally what the name Walkman was, it, it, it was an absolute life changer. And we just accept that today that we get, you know, music on our phone and instant connectivity to all the streaming platforms and all that fun kind of stuff, you know, with 24 seven hot and cold running music. And that, that was, that was not the experience, you and know, before without, the 80s. And, and that is without disruption. So watch how I segue this to ever. Exactly. Right? I love so it. You don't have your music, your music can't travel with you really easily, or you've got to carry the stereo or you've got to upgrade it in the car. You no longer have to do that. This is, this is directly related to your data, right? See, and and that's what i was gonna do too it's <laughs> just no, like today's data it well, used to be you and I unless you were train, you know yeah unless <laughs> you were sitting at your terminal at work now we had much better work-life balance back in those days because there was no connectivity from home but now you know employees customers everyone expects to be able to get to that data all the time from all their different devices how do you scale how do you scale you know you everyone's been able to scale compute networking security all this other stuff storage has lagged behind on that right. and if you aren't you know it's not just the physical part as sam was talking about you know how you move from one storage technology to another in terms of you know, faster flash or, you know, more capable controllers or whatnot. It's, it's the software features that make it secure to be able to serve up that data all around. I, I there's think still there's some hardware centric things, Kev. I mean, we've had you on yeah. before and it is really, it's, it's really the, the, the triad or the triumvirate, if I'm going to use a 25 cent word of, of the software being able to be upgraded and, and add improvements as they come along, there's still density and controllers, you know, there's still things that are hardware centric. I right. get the separation part, but if we didn't have the ability to avoid forklift upgrades, right, which is the, the, the horrible vicious cycle that, that Sam was, you know, kind of alluding to, which was, you know, you can't get from A to B again. So to stay modern, you got to purchase a new array, which we know from other episodes you've come on, Kev. Sam, go. And that's what those legacy providers built their business on. Right? Yeah. Let's think yeah. about that for a second, because the value is in the software. And when you tie the software to the hardware, they become one and the same, right? And that's what their systems would do. So let me give you an example. I'm a customer. I bought a storage array. I put it in my data center and I'm using it. And now all of a sudden there's a new feature that's available in a storage array. And I want to upgrade to get that feature, which is a software upgrade. So after I went through the process of learning that array, figuring out how to use it, migrating my data to it, now there's a new piece of software. And I go, okay, let's put that software on the array. Well, it turns out 
it won't because it's not compatible. You need to upgrade your hardware to get the new software and upgrade that hardware. You need to do data migration. Or in some cases, it would be a completely different storage array because it had a feature that you wanted. You'd bring it in, migrate all your data over to it. And all of that is part of the fact that it's hardware based. They're not separating the two. And whatever Green did is completely broke that all along. And it gives us the ability to deliver those enterprise features regardless of your size. Yeah, because it's right. software based. No forklift. And yeah. it's another huge segue to our other benefits, right? Part of that architecture that we have and that separation has led itself seamlessly to Purity Cloud Block Store, to Purity okay. Cloud Stamp, to yeah. to all of these other components because of the way we architected it. There's also those sneaky benefits, though, right? I, I've mentioned it on shows in the past, but sneaky it was benefits. it was sneaky. Well, not even sneaky. The personal ones, right? We, we a lot of times get bogged down in the business benefits, right? And those things are awesome, right? No, no downtimes or outages, nothing that interrupts software so that you can continue revenue generating opportunity, you know, up, up, uh, activities and, and keep going. But it was eye-opening to me at, at, at Microsoft Ignite a couple of years ago. I was just chatting up a DBA who had stopped by and he's like, hey, I'm not a storage guy. I don't know storage really well. I'm a DBA. You know, I work with SQL mm-hmm. Server, but we started using you about a year ago. You know, our storage team bought Pure and I went, oh, that's cool. What, you know, what's it done? He's like, oh, you know, my transactions run, you know, run faster and the response times are great and the, up, you know, the reliability is great. But, you know, the biggest thing is the effect you had on my, on my home, on my personal life. I'm like, huh, what do you mean? What do you mean your personal life? He said, by, by us adopting Pure, you've given me back eight to 10 weekends a year that I get to spend with my family. That's awesome. Yeah. Previously I was, you know, planning, scheduling ahead, going into the data center, which, you know, I don't even know how they do now, but going into the data center and, and spending all of Saturday and half a Sunday, I, we, the last upgrade we did was on a, on a Tuesday at like 11 o'clock. Right. And I didn't even notice. So awesome. those are the, and maybe they're not sneaky, but they're those really interesting personal benefits that I always love, you know, kind of, kind of hearing about. And Kev, those are things we do every day. I mean, you you feedback like that on Evergreen all the time. Well, yeah. And it it really stems from the fact that, you know, our co-founder and the company culture we've had all the way through is, you know, and I I can't remember how he originally phrased it, but it it was along the lines of, you know, thou shalt, shalt not make it more complex just to help one customer. In other words, like yeah. we could have come out with synchronous replication probably two years before sure. if we wanted to do it as cumbersomely, and I know that's not a word, as every other vendor out there with a thousand page manual and you know, you need three PhDs to get it done. You know, when we came up with Active Cluster, the whole point was you press a button and it basically goes. And you know, that's that's the mantra for how we add in these software-based features that come, and this is the other sneaky part, getting back to your main point, Rob, with your subscription. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the other things that has just flummoxed the legacy vendors because, you know, the tip of the iceberg thing with Evergreen obviously is eliminating um, the hardware rebuys and the data migrations, you know, we architected everything in such a way that you don't have to move. The data stays the same. You just upgrade the controllers or the flash or whatever, and it gets better, including those in a subscription as well. You know, they, they latched onto that because sure, some of the biggest savings come from there, but just like your quality of life statement, what I hear back from customers is, yeah, you know, we asked, Hey, is there any feature that allows me to do synchronous replication, you know, and our rep told us, Oh yeah, you've had 
active cluster available for the last two years. All you got to do is turn it on. Turn on. Tell me more, right. you know, and, and they're blown away that it's not yet another sales cycle. It's not mm-hmm. yet another hardware upgrade. Another and, um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the latest example of that is ransomware mitigation through safe mode. Sure. You know, talk about an enterprise level feature and one that everyone is looking into today. Standard in your evergreen subscription across all of our platforms, you know, and, and, and that's just something that the other vendors just don't get because even if they have tried to make the shift toward, okay, great. We're going to include most of your software, you know, uh, that you need to run a basic setup in the initial purchase, there's always carve outs and, you know, uh, those higher end features, these enterprise features either aren't available on their quote unquote mid range, or they're going to nickel and dime you for them, you know, and then it gets even more complex. Well, how many people are using it and how much time of the day are the, you know, all this crazy making stuff that pure users never have to worry about. It's just included with it within their subscription. If it fits their needs, they turn it on. If not, they don't. So Sam, I, I, are, are we perhaps asking the wrong question then? Right. I mean, we're, we're asking the question mid-range versus enterprise, but it really sounds like everything, everything you're both reinforcing is sort of the hardware-centric design versus software. It's it's a, it is a different and question. That's, right? that's Rob, where this whole thing started was yeah, the yeah. good old question: mid-range storage versus enterprise storage, right? And that's where we're going. Everyone should get the features of enterprise storage, but where do the features come from? The features come from the software. So the real question a customer should be asking isn't, do I want mid-range storage or enterprise storage? The question should be, do you want hardware-centric or software-centric? Because a hardware-centric design is going to take you down that same rat hole of tying the software to the hardware and needing to do forklift in uh, data migrations when new software is released because it won't isn't compatible with the hardware. Software-centric design is exactly what we built at Pure. It's software-centric. It allows you, and I, I got to go back to an example that I used a long time ago, Robin. I think I did it on your show. One of the first things I did when I joined Pure is went to our SE boot camp. And went through the process yeah. and I went through a controller swap. Okay. Now, a lot of people think, oh, no, no big deal, controller swap. In reality, we're upgrading to a new storage array, is what we're doing. And I think it's key to point that out because everybody, if you got a legacy hardware mindset, you're thinking I'm pulling a piece of felt hardware, but you're not. You're upgrading the array. You pull that controller out, you slide in the new one. I was prepared to go back to my SAN administration interface, look at the worldwide names, remap those worldwide names back to my host, go to the host, do a scan of the SCSI channels, find out what's there, what isn't, make sure in disk administrator they all line up or in my Linux kernel, whatever it is. The reality is I didn't have to do anything at the host because it's software based. When I pulled out the controller and slid in the new one, the worldwide name didn't change of the array. It just got faster. That's the difference between hardware and software centric. So anyone that tells you, oh, we can do controller swap. No, they can't because when they pull it out, you put in a new one, it's a new worldwide name. That's not the same thing. Evergreen is real. And that's when I got it three, four years ago after I joined, it was pretty cool. Well, and I'm excited for the stuff that's coming forward too, right? I mean, if you, I, you know this, what? 
you have this software centric mentality, right? Everything people are talking about is containers. I mean, you guys, you guys bandy around some stats, like 95% of new apps are being delivered in containers. We're ready yeah. for that. Right. I mean, we, we have that capability. Um, 85% of businesses have, are, are going to have containers in, in, in production in a few more years. Um, companies are working with more cloud providers. Guess what? We're, we're connected with the cloud providers. And then there's the ability to reduce risk and, and shift to OpEx, which, which dovetails nicely. So I love the things that are coming that, that are actually here. I'm saying they're in the future forward. They're there. They are here. Yeah, but the, yeah. the analogy I use went to the 2000s, right? And the MP3. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you go beyond it to the 2010s, what happened in the music industry? My kids don't buy albums. They yeah. subscribe to services or buy songs. So they subscribe to Spotify or Pandora, which has the analytics to predict what they might want to listen to next. And it creates a playlist, right? In 2018 is when we introduced Pure as a Service. It's the same subscription model allowing you to subscribe to the capacity you need based on the performance needs you have. And you're going to get what you need and pay for it as you use it. Yeah. And that even evolves moving beyond it. When you look at uh, the, the 2020s and beyond as a service is where we're headed as a company. And I think it's exciting to see that happening. Well, and, and Sam, I love that you brought up AI because I, I think that's another area where, you know, for, first closing off on the containers, you know, one of the other things that we sneak into Evergreen <clears throat> is the fact that anyone with an Evergreen subscription can use uh, the Portworx Essentials product and not just the one that you could download for free off of the website, uh, but one that doesn't have a limit to the number of uh, servers that it accesses, you know, so uh, like right out of the gate, you know, there's, there's always great extra things that, you know, may not be as flashy as, Hey, you get controllers every three years, or you can trade in your old controllers for new. But the other one is that, um, you know, with that AI interface and the software decoupling that we've done and that, you know, really trying to steer everything toward the ease of use for the customer, AI ops is a reality. Yeah. here at Pure with our Pure One interface, not just from a, hey, I know what's going on in my system, or even the proactive predictive nature of you know letting you know about problems before you find it and then have to call support. By the way, 70% of our support tickets are generated from the system, not from users having to call in. Automatically. Um, but yeah, we can extend that out and we are to the point where, you know, we can predict what the modeling is going to be in terms of growth. If you need new controllers, how that how that's going to do, you know, cost, performance, benefit, all these kind of things baked into the software of the system because we already have the underpinnings of it. So, you know, that user experience just keeps getting better and better. It's almost like the uh, the other guys are trying to offer us. 12 albums for one penny and then a really, <laughs> a really high oh, hidden man. subscription cost going forward. I had to bring it yes, back and, to the music thing, Sam, you know? Oh and, man, that's good. It's like, well, and, and who has not you know, used a fake name to get another 12 oh, we, we albums? All, you know, how, how do like, we get a bunch of cassettes in-, in, in Like on Friends, Ms. Chenandler Bong. That's right, Chenandler Bong, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a, I, I, it just popped in my head again, all the, the <laughs> stupid pop culture things that come in, but you're, but you're absolutely. And yes, that's the thing. You don't have to lie and there's to no get all these them. features included in your evergreen subscription. And I think more folks should ask us about those things. You know, I think the number of, you know, it's, there's just so many features and, and what, what we offer in software that's included. 
uh, is so feature rich that Kev, to your you know anecdote about oh well we'd love to come up with a sync replication solution oh it's in there you just <laughs> have to turn it on there's there's so many other things like that that are in there and uh, pure just one with on. work, no additional power, cost simulation yeah yeah no extra know. hardware to purchase or wire yeah. up or cross connect it's in there great story yeah so i think you know bringing it home whatever out there if you're listening and if your partner awesome and potential prospect we'd love to chat with you but whatever your deployment model whatever the size of your company um, we, we can deliver these features whether you think of them as enterprise or not we can deliver them up and down the stack and frankly we can do it for any workload and and we can generally probably do it within your budget i mean we definitely can we do that kind of stuff all day long think, final think thoughts about Think about that foundation and what you were yeah. talking about. You yeah. just turn it on for replication. Right. But think about what the software lets you do. You just turn it on. Oh, and by the way, there's a pure valid data design all about SQL Server resiliency into an Azure cloud. So not only can you just turn it on, but you can replicate that SQL Server up to Azure. Come on. That's what software architectures let you do. And it, it's that ability that is enterprise features. And by the way, if you're a smaller customer in that mid-market and you started with one of our smaller arrays, you can still do that. That's the value. Yeah. Well, and what if you take off and then you grow? Right. I'd start with what you need. Yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. that's the other yeah. hidden benefit of Evergreen. You start with what you need now, but you got the confidence you're going to be able to grow into it again without one of those forklift upgrades or rebuys. Well, and Kev, we always have one of those users that that invested back in the FA days, right? Who are still moving. You know, I, I think I see. Oh yeah. That's why I was like, oh well, they initially got an FA four fifty back in you know twenty fifteen, well, and and yeah. now they've brought it up to current status, right? And they keep doing that, and it's you know without pulling anything apart, it's great. I spoke to a user the other day. He's on his fourth company, his fourth company where uh, they have <laughs> adopted Pure. He was one of the original customers on the FA 300 series. Oh my gosh, there you go. Now on the uh, XR3, you know, uh, with his with his latest company, and they just moved from the M to the to the X while he was there. And uh, yeah, you know, it it so wait a minute. His wait bottom minute. line is just... it made my life easier. You talked about four different data migrations there, Kevin. Those yeah. things you talked about easily evergreen none no nope. yeah. you didn't rebuy any capacity you didn't have to come in and do a migration none of it that all yeah. think about what you just talked about going from SaaS to nvme on the back end crazy yep but true exactly true. but true <laughs> awesome guys well um great to have you on i feel like i can just wind you up and you can go like i'm not even needed here well, it's true but you're both always, always, always welcome here. Keep up. Well, we, we need you if for nothing else, the random field of dream movie quotes. But uh, yes. I, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Nope, and especially it. when Sam is here, because, you know, yeah. anytime with Sam is, well, is great. And Sam, I want to do it in person again. I was going to say, if we get events rolling again, let's uh, let's let's put the band. Oh, back that's that's the plan. I thought we were going to be rolling again, but then things kind of slowed down a bit. So we'll see. We're putting the band back together. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> There's another one, Kev. Go, go. Yes. Uh, guys, where, where do people go for more information? I think that's the main thing at this point in the episode um, for folks that are still with us. Um, where, where do you go to learn more? Yeah, purestorage.com uh, slash rethink uh, is, uh, you know, the easiest way that will uh, 
take it all the different resources that we have to help explain, you know, not only how we do things differently, uh, but some good care and con compare and contrast with some of the other legacy vendors. Uh, lots of great user stories, you know, how people are using our, our technology, not only to get great business results, but to make their lives easier. Awesome. So I want to throw one thing out there, Rob, if you are yeah. a partner, uh, a channel partner, a VAR, an MSP, a GSI, and you do not have access to the partner portal, you need to get it because that's where you're going to get even more information on everything we just talked about, helping you with your campaigns in the field. Talk to your PAM, your partner account manager, or drop me an email, samiam at purestorage.com. It's a fantastic vanity email, Sam. Good on you. <laughs> nice work. Hey, good work, gentlemen. Um, great to have you as always. You're always welcome in this forum. And hey, for you folks that are out there listening, thanks for tuning in today to this episode. Keep the feedback coming. Tell a colleague, tell a friend, and we will keep the great guests like Sam and Kevin coming on to the show. And with that, we'll wrap for Pure Storage. Sam Marasini and Kevin Ricks. And this is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Some things might be gaining on you.